in a glass case of emotion. I'll do whatever it takes to set me free. No, it's a cardigan, but thanks for noticing. Welcome to the Citywide Podcast. I'm here today with VP of Sales, Tyler Olson, along with Mitch Burnett, the VP of Operations. Today, we will be discussing influencing people, how to disarm and flank, which is an important principle for anyone, but especially people leading teams. As a reminder, the citywide mission is to be the best. We are world-class managers of commercial building maintenance that lead our industry in client, employee, and stakeholder experience. Employing principles such as influencing people will be key for our leaders at Citywide. We want to be able to execute this mission under growth conditions. Let's get started. Before we get too far into influencing people effectively, You need to start with the simple fact that, in general, you will not be able to effectively influence or lead anyone into your direction of thinking or desired action without having a foundation of respect and then liking and trusting you. Without this, the only way to get what you want is to outrank somebody in a formal setting. And at that point, you're just playing rock, paper, rank with somebody and forcing them to do something because you said so. And remember, when dealing with people, we are not dealing with creatures of logic, rather creatures of emotion, pride, and ego. So to make things long-term influences, you really have to make people want to do what you want them to because they want to, not because you said so. Otherwise, you're going to continually be fighting an uphill battle. So how do you get people to like you? In order to have someone like you, you really need to create a relationship with them. And it cannot be faked. It's, people can see that uh, you know, a mile away if somebody's just pretending to be interested in you to get something from you. But before we jump into some of the specific things that help people to like you, I just want to mention here that there is a dichotomy there when you're in leadership with being somebody's friend and being somebody's leader and how do you balance those. As many of you know, we follow Jocko and listen to a lot of his podcasts and read a lot of his books here at Citywide. And he tells a story about a leader in Vietnam who arrives to take over a unit and finds out that the leader wasn't holding his guys accountable and they were having lots of failed missions, they were having lots of injuries, lots of casualties and stuff like that out on missions and just lots of chaos in general. And basically he came to the realization that he was so busy being their friend that he didn't hold them accountable to things like cleaning their rifles, changing their socks, being hygienic, being in the right uniform, planning properly, doing the right things. He's more focused on just getting them to like him and it was causing the team to fail. But now to get kind of into some more formal steps on how to get people to like you. The first one goes back to, like I said, having people care about you. It's being generally interested in them. You can't fake it. You need to actually care about what's going on in your people's world, asking questions that aren't necessarily work-related, be able to spend some time with them and make them understand that you care about what else is going on in their world beyond just how are you going to get something out of them at work or in the situation where you're leading them. Smiling and be positive. It's never fun to walk into an office and your leader or your boss is in a bad mood or upset about something and just visually letting you see it. It makes other people's mood dampen and everybody can feel that. You walk into the office and it's just like a heavy feeling. It's never a fun place to be. Generally, you're not going to get people super motivated to go out and do all the things you need to do if you can't make it a lighthearted and enjoyable environment. People aren't going to do what they don't enjoy. It reflects a lot of uh, thoughts and feedback onto you as well. If you are seen as grumpy or in a bad mood, people aren't going to be more open to getting to know you and liking you back, regardless of if that's actually how you feel or not. 
Using people's names is a big thing as well. I've heard it written that someone's name is the sweetest sound of their ears they'll ever hear. So if you can use someone's name or when asking them about things or when directing them to do things, they're much more likely to take a liking and listen and be interested in whatever is going on in that conversation. As I'm listening, I just want to make sure we take a small step out for a second and look at where this is applicable. Because we're talking about leadership, so that sounds really obvious. So obviously there's Tyler and his SEs and there's me and the FSMs and our CCMs. But once again, I want to make sure that we remember it both for our FSMs and our CCMs, the influence this has on our contractor pool and that we have an opportunity every time we work with our contractors to influence them in a good way and in a positive way. And these steps that we're talking about here are super, super applicable. If we're out cleaning a building at night and you see me out cleaning a building, I love getting the cleaners names and learning their names, even though I'm probably not gonna see them either ever again or for a really, really long time. At least for that one evening, I can call them by their name and mention something that I might notice or just chat with them about what other buildings they take care of or what they do in their free time or whatever, I think goes a really long way. And so for our CCMs and our FSMs in the room, I wanna make sure that we're thinking about this from, from all contexts. The next step in getting someone to like you is really listening intently and talking less. This is a skill that far too many people do not have. People tend to want to continue to talk or ask a question, they get a response, and then they want to insert their story back. It's just human nature. The other thing is when you're listening to people, you actually have to listen. You can't just be sitting there thinking about what is your next response going to be. You can definitely tell when people are already contemplating what they want to say back to you before you even finish what you're saying and that they're not, they're, they're half paying attention. And nobody wants to stay engaged in that conversation or engage with that person very much. So it's being able to shut your brain down enough and be quiet enough to fully hear and listen to what somebody's saying so that you can give a, a more genuine response once they are done. And the more you get slash let someone to talk about themselves, the more they end up liking you. It's actually like a reflection. The more you get somebody to talk about themselves, the more they think that you are great and a good person and they have these genuine feelings of liking you. And I know Mitch has a good story about this. Anybody who's trained with me for, I would call it six to eight weeks, at some point in time, they're going to hear from me just a little principle teaching that I learned from Joe Choplin. And it was because I am known to talk a lot. There's no hiding that in any way, shape or form. And Joe was out riding with me and noticed that a client would barely finish speaking and I was already responding too quickly. And so he sent me this article and we sat down and spent some time on it and I've shared the concept with my team. Like, And I think we talked about this in a former podcast at one point too, the power of listening. When someone's done speaking, if we can count in our head to three, it feels like a lifetime to us, uh, but it demonstrates to them that, hey, I, I heard what you're saying, I'm thinking through my response, and now I'm gonna speak. And the other thing that it subtly tells them is, I was making sure you were done speaking. And so often we find ourselves responding to a client before they're done saying what they wanted to say, and sometimes we put our foot in our mouth because we didn't know where they were going with it. And so that was a really, really big learning lesson for me. But the actual story that I was thinking about, when I read How to Win Friends and Influence People, this whole chapter goes on and on and on about how to let other people talk and you just ask questions and then they're going to like you. And I just see my brother-in-law, Peyton, 
the guy will not talk about himself no matter how hard you try. You can ask him questions about himself and he'll give you like a one sentence answer and then flip it back to you and he will get you talking. What's funny is he's an engineer. He's not a sales guy. He's not trying to get anything out of anybody like Tyler was talking about earlier. He just genuinely cares about other people. And I think that's why everybody likes him so much. On the flip side, I don't mean to pick on my in-laws because I really do like my in-laws, but I have some in-laws that I went and visited with my wife on our five-year anniversary. And we got to their house and got settled in and we were sitting out on like their outdoor patio having dinner and cocktails. I'm not kidding you. The two of them spoke every minute of the three hours that we sat out there. And when we got home from that trip, they ended up talking to my wife's parents and they're like, man, we just love Liz and Mitch so much. We just enjoyed their, we enjoyed their company so much. And, and Liz and I just looked at each other and we're like, we never said a word. Like we literally maybe said one or two sentences a piece <laughs> in like a three hour period and just watched the two of them talk over each other so much. I just find it so entertaining and, and so unique that people find us to be more pleasing to be around the less that we talk. And I think we always think it's the opposite. Yeah, and this is the leadership podcast, but this is a huge thing we talk about in sales too. If you sit down with a customer and you feel like you're pulling teeth to get them to talk, chances of that sale going through are very slim. The best sales calls that we ever go on are the ones where you leave and you're like, I said one word and they gave me all my answers. And chances are that person's like, that was a great sales call. Like, I really like that person because you didn't talk over them. You weren't responding before they were done doing all the things that Mitch just mentioned. The next kind of branch into there is when you're asking them questions and when you are furthering the conversation, once they get talking, it's making sure that you're asking questions around what their interests are, following up and backstories and not even in that same conversation, but caring enough to have remembered what you all talked about the last time you saw somebody so that next time you can go to them and say, hey, how did XYZ go? I know you were planning on doing this. Or if you know somebody's very interested in a specific sports team or activity, you know, being able to ask them questions about that again, they're automatically going to be like, oh, wow, they actually paid attention to who I was and remembered what I like to do and some stuff about me. It's definitely going to go a long way. One of the last steps is kind of making them feel important and doing it in a sincere way. It can be done a number of ways. The first being listening like we discussed a minute ago. The second would be to praise them for something they did or accomplished and doing it in a public setting. So if you're a leader and you have a team meeting, somebody does something really good, making sure that you're taking the time to call it out and let the team know what they did well. And that's going to work twofold. One, it's going to make them feel great and they're going to have more liking for you and be willing to go to battle for you more. But also the rest of the team is going to see how much you care about that one person and potentially you've been doing that for the rest of the team and it's going to make you look better in their eyes as well. So it'll actually work on a greater scale than if you're just doing it individually. I can't tell you how many lists and surveys that have been done and they, they hit on traits of bad bosses and like one of the number one things is either lack of praise in public or taking credit for other people's ideas. And there's someone who currently works here who was like literally blown away when they had mentioned some small portion of a thing and it led to a whole process change. And then I don't remember if it was me or it was Tyler who brought it up, but it was a it was one of the things that happens between sales and account management. And this FSM noticed it and was like, hey, what about this thing? And then Tyler and I in the background did a bunch of work and made this whole thing happen. But when we rolled it out, we're like, hey, this person brought this up and it caught our attention and here's what we did about it to solve this problem. And they were blown away. So like my last company, 100% bosses would have just got up there and took credit for it. And it was technically they could take credit for it because I only had this one small piece of it and they did the rest of the work. So it was just kind of refreshing to see that happen. Yeah, definitely goes a long way. And that person probably has a significant amount of loyalty to you as you know their direct report. 
who was giving them the credit in front of the team. And then the third one is really just taking time to show the interest in them. You know, it's taking time out of your day, even though you might be busy, to go out of your way to show some interest in somebody, not just when you have to interact with them. Once we have a proper relationship in place with people, we then have the ability to begin leading them effectively. And typically that's through influence. And so the only way to really influence people is to focus on the things that they want that tie back to their deepest wants and needs. And there's a number of ways we can do that and to get people to kind of think what we're thinking or to help get them where they want to go. And so probably the first and maybe most important piece is to avoid arguments. I can't think of many scenarios where arguing led to an effective way to getting where we want to go. And certainly there's times where maybe Tyler and I will passionately discuss something and we both dig our heels in, Tyler more than me as a heel digging (laughs) guy. But typically the best way to look at it is essentially like what Tyler and his team do in the sales process, which is the rice concept. And essentially the rice concept is just going backwards, a spelling of rice, so it's E-C-I-R. And we're talking about empathizing with them and letting them know we heard what they had to say. We're going to clarify what they said to make sure that what they said is what we heard. So now we're actually talking about the same thing, but we're going to isolate it and make sure it's not tied to anything else. And then we're going to fully respond and engage in a discussion. And it seems like everything we talk about on these podcasts ties back to hearing people out and making sure that they're heard. But we've got to make sure that we listen through what they have to say. It's going to eliminate a lot of back and forth discussion. It's going to eliminate potential arguments and it's going to get us to the root of whatever the thing is that we need to work on. And it's going to bring their own mindset to whatever the center of the issue is and allow us to come to some sort of shared conclusion where we believe we're on the same path. So from there, we got to make sure we're showing respect for the people's opinions. Again, going back to active listening, which Tyler hit on pretty hard earlier on, we got to make sure that they understand and, and probably most importantly, feel that their opinion matters because you kind of can't fake caring If someone's got an opinion and they don't get the feeling that it's acknowledged, we're not going to really get anywhere in that discussion. we got to make sure that they understood that their opinion does matter. And if we're going to say, hey, I love your opinion, I understand why you have that opinion, but unfortunately it might not align with whatever the goal or the thing is that we're going after, they got to make sure they genuinely feel like they were heard and that it was acknowledged. Their perception is everything. Their perception. It doesn't matter if you follow steps A through Z. If they don't feel like you followed steps A through Z, doesn't matter in their mind. They're, you're not, you don't have a loyal follower at that point. Yeah. The next piece is probably admitting when we're wrong. Again, I talked a little bit ago about this survey data that's all out there and, and people don't like it when supervisors and leaders don't admit their faults. And so I'll practice what I preach right now and say that earlier when I said Tyler is the one that digs in, he is a stubborn individual, but I don't think anyone is more stubborn than me. So if Tyler and I are passionately arguing, it's usually me digging my heels on something. And it really falls back to what we talked about Jocko when we were initially starting this podcast. He has a book called Extreme Ownership. And you have to be able to own everything that happens in your world, whether that's you being right, wrong, something went wrong with one of your team members, being able to own all that stuff. So just really owning any time that you realize that you aren't in the right goes a really long way with people and generally disarms them a lot, especially if you're arguing about something or having a disagreement. Learning to ask the right questions to get people to their own answers and conclusions is probably the best way we can get people to come on board with whatever we're trying to accomplish. So if Tyler's got a sales goal with his person and he can ask questions to get them to how they're going to make that sales goal, it's better than him telling them how they're going to make their way to that sales goal because it's it's their own at that point. They determine it with our contractors. We go into a building and we don't tell them how to clean. 
we ask them, hey, how do you want to take this on tonight? And if they got three people standing there and they kind of shrug and go, I don't know, sometimes I'll just ask a question. Who's the most detailed person here? Oh, you? Cool. Would you be good to start in the restrooms? Does that sound like a good fit for you? And they might volunteer. Who's comfortable throwing that backpack back on for the entire night, putting their headphones in and doing their thing? And they might rise up. So sometimes just asking questions to get people where we need them to go will do the trick. And I think the official note is essentially people will come to the correct conclusion if we just ask a few questions and then stop talking. People will usually get their way there. And you may have to ask a couple more probing questions to get them the rest of the way, but that's probably the best way to get there. And this goes especially for if you're dealing with a direct report in a formal work setting who has the reasons why something can't happen, even though it can happen, and being able to ask them those very key leading questions so that they talk themselves in a circle back to, oh, I guess I can do that. You know, it's, I can't do it because of this. Okay, so what about yada, yada, yada? Well, I guess I could have done that, but blah, 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 you know, and you got to get them to walk all the way around and get them so that whatever the outcome is, it's their idea. If you tell them what it is, half the time they're gonna buy in, half the time they're not. If they come up and in their head, it's their idea now, they fully own it and they're gonna run with it. Being able to look at things from the other person's point of view, so often we just want to drive our own agenda as leaders and charge toward a goal. And we forget sometimes that the other person also wants to accomplish a goal, but they might want to do it in a different way. And there might be some challenges of how that fundamentally aligns with their personal wants and needs and desires. So we got to make sure that we understand and are empathetic to their point of view and to their ideas. And this would go hand in hand with the respect thing that we talked about earlier, ensuring that we respect their opinion. So this would go just one step further and we have an opportunity to look at things through their lens and probably communicate back to them what we're seeing and saying something to the effect of, I understand why you might see it that way and just kind of talking through that with them. And then again, making sure that we have an opportunity to give credit, which we talked a lot about earlier, but whenever we come to whatever that conclusion is and there is an opportunity to give credit, whether it's personally one-on-one, -on -one, um, but again, ideally public, I think that will go a really, really long ways with people. Finally, we need to focus on challenging people to accomplish something and get commitment from them. So in the sales world, this is essentially asking for the sale. Once we've come to an understanding of how we're going to do something and how we're going to go after it, we essentially need whoever the person is that we're leading to agree. Yeah, we've come to a resolve on this. Yes, I can commit to this. Yes, I can get after this. And I understand if I don't that we're going to have to talk about some of the stuff along the way because we went through all of this to come to an agreement on how we're going to handle it. So I think once we get through all the pieces that we've gotten through and people feel like they're heard and we've seen things through their lens and we come to that understanding and agreement, it's time for them to acknowledge and it's time to move on and to get after whatever that is. And one key thing there to add is if you had this plan of we need to get here and here's how we're going to get there and through your questioning and resolve, they have a slightly different tactic of getting to that same result and you think your idea is 10% better, but they're 90% still going to get us there most of the way, go with their 90%. You're probably going to end up getting a better result in the end going with their 90% in your head than your 100% and having to convince them to go that way. Right. So it all comes full circle at that point. You challenge them and let them create the solution. As long as it's going to get us there, have that be it. Yeah, chances are people are going to run after their own plan and opportunity the one that's forced upon them. Makes perfect sense. All right, to wrap this up, in order to be able to properly lead people, they have to like you. And in order to get people to like you, you have to actually put some effort in, 
be genuinely uh, interested in people and what they care about. And then when you are trying to lead them, genuinely listen and ask questions to get to an end result so that people feel like you care about them, not just what your goal is.